Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. Hey guys, it's Ruben from Dub on Connection Loop. This is our podcast, and we have Lynn Podetti here. Lynn, I'm going to call you right now the queen of explainer videos and outsourcing. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. I love that title. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that's the title for now until you change it. Um, Tell me about your origin story. How did you get into your situation and your place in life? Okay, so although my surname is Padetti, I'm actually Vietnamese. My original name was Lin Hoang from Vietnam. Came to Australia about the age of nine. So I really got to experience what it's like living in a developing country, you know, poverty and all that stuff. Came to, to Australia with, you know, as migrants. So I was forced to sort of work at the age of 10, sewing, came, coming home from school, sewing every single day, working hard for my parents while getting confused why my friends get to play and, you know, go to school. And so um, it just created a lot of friction with my parents where I just felt like I didn't have the freedom. They were controlling me. They were saying, well, we need to, you know, um, improve our life in Australia. So you got to help us. And so it started from all that. And then I ended up rebelling in every way. It wasn't just that they made me work. It was that the traditional mindset from Vietnam coming to Australia where I'm influenced by the Australian culture. And so it was a big clash where I ended up running away at think 14, try to run away again at 15, 16. Like it was um, a very turmoil kind of relationship with the family. Ended up having a kid at 20 years old. Of course, my parents were like, you know, freaking out going, what the hell are you doing? Went from, you know, a good girl to, you know, just, I thought, I guess they thought that I was going to become a single mom that was going to quit school, was going to get nowhere in life. And so then I ended up proving them wrong. I just went from that moment onward to just, you know, determined to finish uni, determined to start my own business. Um, You know, because I had a kid so young, I realized that, hang on a minute, like um, I was looking forward to adulthood, right? Thinking that I was going to go to work and have the new, the freedom. But then I realized that being coming an adult, I still was a child because I had to go to work at, you know, 8 a.m. or whatever it was, finish at 5 p.m. And then having a kid so young that I couldn't um, be there for him was when I really felt like I needed to start my own business. I'm like, this is not what an adult should be. Like, I thought an adult is like, you can do whatever you want. And so having a kid made me want to do my own thing. And so I ventured into my own business in 2009 with zero business skills. Considering I, I went to university for four years, I had still zero idea of entrepreneurship. Uh, So it was very theoretical and not practical at all. Um, But through myself, I've always been the type that whatever, throw myself there, I'll manage it just the same way as I said, I'll have a kid. Who cares? (laughs) So so then um, I started a business and just, you know, uh, got into e-commerce store and realized, oh, my God, it's so difficult. You know, you have all these products in your bedroom. It's not really online. And then I discovered outsourcing because I didn't have the budget to actually grow the e-commerce store, you know, the, the normal way because I didn't have the funding. So I had to like try to find cheaper resources. And so, um, yeah, by the way, I'm just trying to really shorten my, my story because my story is really long. <laughs> no, this, <laughs> so, this is right. tremendous. Yeah, bring it. And so, um, yeah, I, I got into outsourcing because I had to use people from overseas to do my website, SEO, etc. And um 
fell in love with outsourcing, just loving because I maybe I had the connection with developing countries and feeling that understanding for them working hard and just trying to make a living. And then, you know, threw my e-commerce business away because I had no, no passion for nail polish. But the skills in outsourcing and marketing got me into my next business. People were asking me advice. How do I do a website? How do I do a marketing? And so I said, I can do it for you. I can find these people overseas to do it for you. And so the animation business came out of it. The outsourcing recruitment company came out of it. It's, I still live and breathe outsourcing. Like you can get anything done with the power of outsourcing. It's such a phenomenal thing that has become so incredibly accessible in today's business world. You know, with modern day technology, with software, with project management, it's so easy. In fact, why doesn't everyone do it? I mean, everyone should have a support team that can yeah. manage so many things. I mean, a lot of what we do here at Dub is it, we create content. I mean, primarily we're a software platform or a video communication platform. We have users all around the world, but the way that we engage with them and educate them and of course lift our brand is through original content. And we have, we have figured out, it took us about six to eight months, but we have figured out through outsourcing overseas, specifically to the Philippines, um, yep. that we can manage a daily content calendar where we're posting to LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all channel omnis with very interesting content, of course, that we produce. And now we have this phenomenal team that we're able to connect with and work with and watch them grow in their careers. And, uh, you know, we've just had a really positive experience overall with that. Yeah, that's right. And sometimes they people mistake in the word outsourcing as like something you just do ad hoc and it's not, they can't get the value out of it until they really see that when you outsource, we're just saying to hire people from overseas, but you can still build them as your team member that grows with you in your business, learning everything about you like someone that is, you know, it's local. You can, it's the only difference is they live overseas and they're cheaper. That's it. But you can build them into loving your mission, loving your company and grow with you. And, you know, you've seen that benefit. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it took us such a long time. I mean, six months to me is a long time, I guess. Maybe I'm just impatient. <laughs> but, but I think I, I think that what we realized that we needed to do is we needed to create a system, something that was yes. repeatable, something that we continue to do that had scale, that had success. And that we had systems and resources to be able to input to that, knowing that we're going to get the output. So the solution that we found was through project management. We use Asana. That's our project management tool. There's a yeah. lot of really great ones out there. Uh, there's Monday.com and there's Basecamp. There's a lot of great ones. Um, even some folks use kind of more minimalist tools that are directly integrated with Gmail and kind of spreadsheet driven. Um, we found a lot of success with Asana. But really yeah. what it comes down to, though, is creating that system where we have a content calendar and we have things that are mapped out for the next one, two, three, four, five months. And then we can do repeatable tasks where we have yes. our subtasks and then everything becomes into a system. So it went from 80% of our communication was on Slack, ad hoc, you know, improv, spontaneous. What do you think about this? Let's do this to let's get everything pre-planned and then let's put out the fires. Let's brainstorm, brainstorm, let's workshop a little bit through kind of more of the real-time synchronous communication on Slack and Skype and whatever else. And, and that was just a paradigm shift for us. And now, yeah. I, I mean, personally speaking, I wake up and I don't get 100 messages in my inbox. I know that things are getting done. And I just have total peace of mind and clarity that there's there's that system and it all yeah do with outsourcing so yeah definitely and you know the other thing is you don't have to always wait to have all your systems set out for you to actually get help because the thing is 
sometimes when I'm dabbling into something new, I know that I'm, you know, I don't have enough time, I'm stressing out about it. So then I actually hire the VA who's got experience in that sort of area and we learn together on the spot. So you take away this task for me and we draft the process together as we go. We create the systems and the tracking sheet as we're both learning because sometimes it's the fact that you think you have to be perfect and create the full thing. Um, I mean, you will never get there as well if you're just stuck in doing the work as well. And so I find the, I guess, the sweet spot is, you know, getting a feel of what you're doing, then going, okay, well, let me offload parts of this job so that I could free myself up to do more strategic things, but while having that new person to develop the process, helping you and developing the process at the same time too. So that's my power advice. That's, I mean, that is powerful. So when you provide a, an infrastructure, where does it stop? Where do, where do your services stop? Are you a connector? Are you a part project manager? What, is it, what does it look like? What does your yeah. model look like? So we see ourselves more as a HR outsourced department. So we know a lot of small businesses, you know, they, they know they're busy, they know they need a team, but they're already so busy just working in their business, let alone trying to like maintain and, and retain their staff, right? Because at the end of the day, the hiring part is just one bit. It's the keeping them happy, motivated, feel like they're growing is the other part that is the main is a major part and so that's where our service is it's the recruitment it's the helping you to onboard it's the performance review so we act as if like we are their online company we do company trips we do rewards program we do um, point system anything to keep these VAs happy because unless they feel excited to go to work. They're not going to perform well for the clients. And we know that the clients don't have that, I guess, the time and the resource to actually do make, make the work fun. I mean, if they do, that's great. But if they don't, you know, we're there. And then, of course, with HR, you know that sometimes the recruitment um, might not go as planned, right? You might hire someone great for a few months and something personally happened to them and they're different. So this is where we recruit for free. We, we, you know, we do the free replacement. So we're almost like your, you know, the HR department where you're like, I need this kind of person. I just want to interview the best ones. Once it's interviewed, you help facilitate, set me up as it's working well. If it doesn't, I'm, you know, I can report to you rather than try to chase these people myself and try to figure out, we handle the payroll, we handle everything so that you just get straight into the production. Like know what you want, get what you want, and that's it. Wow, so do you, I mean, this is, this is such an important thing because based on my experience, it's a lot of work to be able to create the culture, create the HR systems, you know, manage some sort of a flow. The whole point is to maximize your output and minimize your input, right? Yes. So the investment that's made into outsourcing, it needs to be accompanied, at least from my perspective, on the management of it so that it's sustainable, yes. so that it sticks around. Otherwise, I, I, I presume there's a lot of churn. There's a lot of kind of a rotating door. That's a really interesting model. How did you come up with this? So was it just based on your own kind of the, the pain points that you were experiencing or did you start yeah. to put feelers out? Yeah, so I mean, like I said, I, I fell in love with outsourcing, not because I was the best at the beginning. I made all these mistakes, you know, hiring the cheapest person, being conned by people online. If you don't know what you're doing, you don't know. But I fell in love with it because I got better at it. And so my first business uh, that I registered uh, after the e-commerce business, sorry, so that was my first, that was my second registered business, um, was an agency. So I basically project managed website development work or SEO or whatever else for the clients. So I was just like, I guess, um, you know, liaising between the client and the, and the staff. 
And so I just realized that what if I just remove myself from the equation, make it even more cost effective for the client. So let's just say in Australia, they might hire someone to work on their marketing for like, uh, what is it? So usually local, maybe $70, even $100 an hour to manage marketing projects. But with me using an outsource team, I was charging around like $40 an hour, right? So still cheap, but not the cheapest. But now with my new model, it's, you work directly with the overseas staff and they're around, you know, Austra- I'm talking about Australian dollars, by the way. It's ranging between 11 Australian dollars to maybe 20 Australian dollars for a marketer to a web developer. So I've cut down the cost much more cheaper for you. Um, you're dealing directly with them, but still having us to like be there with you in, in that more HR management role, right? Versus like project managing the actual output of the project. And so I was just trying to figure out the win-win for everybody. It's the you know client getting the cheaper rates, still get the good resource that I know how to hire, and cutting myself out as a project manager, freeing me me up a lot more, and yeah, a lot more stress-free kind of model for me. <laughs> and then, so speaking of a model, so you've kind of created your own model, which you call Grow, Guide, Recruit, Operate, and Wholehearted. Yeah. Explain that. What does that mean? Okay, so this is quite a new term we created earlier this year. Um, so grow. I mean, it's it's all at the end of the day, it's all about us growing with you as a partner. We don't see ourselves as recruit this person for me and then we're done, you know, and, and place that person. We wanted to grow with the partner because as they grow, we know that with success in business, you're going to keep on needing more teams. So we want to be able to grow uh, yeah, with you through your new strategies and new business goals. Um, of course, ask for recruitment. You know, we handle the whole recruitment process. Being in business for so many years now, we've got like thousands and thousands of people in our own database. Um, and we've, you know, know what we're doing so we know how to recruit the best one so that you just interview the best two people. Saves you so much time. Um, oh, what did I say O was again? I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Operation, you know that's it, yeah. Operation. Yeah, so like I mentioned in terms of operation, it's like we are like your HR in your business, right? So we operate with you from the whole um, onboarding. We share with you systems and process that we use to execute certain work to make your life easier. And yeah, we operate with you rather than just, you know, just recruit you someone and that's it. And I guess for W is a wholehearted, which we're most proud of, is our business is more of a social enterprise. We see ourselves as solving um, poverty in this world, especially starting with the Philippines. So for every VA that you hire, you also help a family who might be living in the provinces or in really poor areas of the Philippines to have a great career working from home. So when I came to the Philippines a few years ago, um, I ignorantly thought everyone lived in Manila or something. <laughs> and like I just generalized everyone like, you know, living in the city and they're quite like, you know, mid-class upwards and it's only when I came there did I realize a lot of my staff lived in provinces you know local really local areas and even though they're earning a good salary they have to look after their family as well it's not just for their family it's you know their siblings and their parents and so just being able to give them a good paying job and staying wherever they live and um, you know not having to move to Manila and then to see that Manila's traffic is hor- horrendous. Have you been to Manila? No, I have not. The, uh, it takes people about two, three hours to get through a 10K distance. Like, I was blown away. Like, you know, we, we might live somewhere 10 kilometers away, and I'll say, let's go there. And they're like, okay, it's going to take about two and three hours. And I'm like, what? 
And so imagine people just being able to, um, even if they did find a job, they work in offices that will take them two, three hours to get to work and then from work. So that's their whole day gone. And so... Um, and you don't mission- get paid and you don't get paid for no. that commute. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So then our mission is to create home-based jobs for people over there. But then we also donate our um, the profits into charity projects. So we partner with volunteers over there, trek up the mountains where no one wants to get there. I personally have gone there and really appreciate the work that they do because they literally, you know, walk with their legs and you know hands getting up to these mountains that take four or five hours. These people don't have water, clean water, don't have electricity, they don't have any of those things. And so just being able to reinvest into the communities like that is the reason for our existence, you know, and we always empower and inspire the VAs to go, it's not enough for you to just find a good job for yourself. It's how can you help your society, your community to, to be better too. And so one of the other things that they do is they volunteer to teach computer skills to disadvantaged kids um, in some of the foundations that we partner with. So these VAs, they actually, um, a part, you know, as part of their job, they want to help their community and, and offer computer training because then the next generation can become VAs. So I just see it as a solution to solving poverty, right? Because if you hand out money to people, that's not going to solve anything. But if you teach people how to work online and the more people work online, the more the country will get wealthier. And then us Aussies and Americans will also have a better life, right? More freedom in our business, you know, save more cost. And yeah, it's well, a win-win for everyone. That's I mean, that's what it comes down to. I mean, at the end of the day, what we're all seeking is happiness. Every yes. single th- Every single choice that we're trying to make is to ultimately attain happiness, whether it's mm-hmm. in our work or our personal life. Pain points, struggles, yes. we're trying to overcome those. We're looking for solutions, you know. And I think that it's really important that people make the right choices in how they set up the infrastructure of their business, you know, what their go-to market strategy is and what their growth plan is. One of my favorite examples of a virtual company is actually Zapier. I always have to say before I say the word Zapier that it, remi- that it rhymes with happier because a lot of, a lot of people say <laughs> Zapier, but it's Zapier with rhymes with happier. Yeah. That's, that's something yeah. that the founder taught me on, on his Twitter account. But uh, I think what's really interesting is that that company has created first and foremost, a completely virtual environment. They meet once a year. This is a retreat that they all go on and it's all about the bonding. It's all about the, the, the building. You know, It's all about that connection that yeah, people get. Yeah, we do that as well, yeah. It's such an important yeah. part, you know? And, but more so, you know, they've figured out a way to create this culture and this scalable system that now helps you know, millions and millions of people all over the world with their technology. So what I always wonder is, you know, why don't more companies set up virtual situations for themselves? I mean, Dub is a virtual company. We have a yep. headquarters, we have an office, but everyone's always invited to work from home. You know, as long as they have a good Wi-Fi connection, you know, no super, uh, you know, sort of crazy living experiences where they cannot be productive, like they don't have a desk, yep. or they don't have something. Like that. As long as they have the basic resources, we encourage, yeah. we invite people to do that. We all meet when we can. We all use Slack. We use Asana. We use you know different types of tech. Um, yeah. But our productivity it it literally increases by three hundred percent when we're virtual yeah. because we can be heads yeah. down. And we're not constantly ruminating on topics. Yeah. We're getting stuff done, you know. And it's yeah, a lot more. I totally agree with you. Production, um, yeah. but it's just a lot more output and more fun actually. 
Yeah, I mean, I totally get you. And that's why, even though I've been in business for myself for 10 years now, I've never owned an office, nor do I feel like I ever need to, just because I, yeah, I just see all the benefits. It's productivity. It's it's still being able to achieve the same outcome. You know, you want good culture. You want people to, you know, what you're trying to teach them. You can do all that, right? Using video, screencasts, doing everything and, you know, making the effort to play games online. So we do a lot of company game stuff um, to gamify our company. But we can do all that with um, do that online. You don't have to do everything um, offline. And so people's limiting belief, just believing that I think I need to sit next to someone, I won't know how good they are unless I'm next to them, someone. Um, and you know, I am married to a husband who's also an entrepreneur, and we're completely opposite. Uh, he's a traditional mindset. He always says to me, no, VAs won't work for me because I need to see them next to me. And I can't even convince him, you know, it's the mindset. It's the, my business is different to yours, so I don't need, you know. Uh, so unfortunately, it's until people get the benefit and really go, you know what, it's working for others and it's saving them so much money. Let me give it a go and really commit to giving it a go, right? And then you'll start to discover our world. You'll see that, oh, my God, there's like Slack, there's like Skype, there's like all these apps that make it so easy. So I think that's the journey. Exactly. So so give us like the punch list of what not to do when hiring a virtual employee or worker or contractor. Yeah. Starting with, of course, not hiring you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So if they want to do it themselves, I mean, yeah, there's so many platforms out there. And um, yeah, you can, uh, the ones that I would use, I normally use is Upwork or onlinejobs.ph for Filipino only. Or Upwork is, you know, for, for anybody. And when you do post a job up, you really need to look at their, you know, work history and 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 you can even do a case, like a test with them rather than just jumping in and thinking, you know, the cheapest person or their cover letters is so promising and, and, you know, just believing all that. It's really about, you know, due diligence, right? Checking in their past work and, um, and star reviews. And then in the interview, I always recommend to look for, not the technical skill side, but more of the soft skill side. So it's mm. like, do I yeah. like you? Do I, do you sound like, like, you know, when you meet someone, you can see that sixth sense, right? You can just feel the energy. Well, you, you can actually feel that in an interview as well. So feel that like if, if they say that they can do all this and this, but yet they feel off, they most likely be off. So go for that kind of instinct more than um, just worrying about um, whether they can do a, a a hard skill because hard skill can always be be taught, and so yeah, that that would be my my feedback in terms of recruiting. It's looking for the personality that you're after. Mm. Um, I mean that that sounds like a, a whole skill. I mean that sounds like someone needs years of experience to be able to. You make it sound very easy because you have the yeah. experience, but the hiring process and I think really understanding the nuances of hiring someone is. I mean it's risky. Let's. Let's face it, it's kind of risky to be able to do that. So, you know, what I have always done is that I've started on, I used to use Fiverr a lot, actually. Yep. And the reason why I liked Fiverr was because I didn't know what I wanted to do necessarily. I didn't know what the output should be. I didn't, maybe it's a graphic or maybe it's a promo video or maybe it's a, a blog post. I don't, I'm just experimenting with a new medium. And that yep. would kind of get my feet wet. But then I'd realize that, okay, well, this is a person that is just trying to, you know, get something done very quickly. <laughs> yes. And not, not to disrespect anyone on Fiverr, but you yeah. know, the, the quality, it wasn't always consistent. And I, and I think yeah. that comes with the territory because of course it's called Fiverr for a reason. It's $5 gigs. Yeah. 
So, They're getting more expensive now, though. Oh, I yeah. I've noticed, that. I've noticed <laughs> yeah. that. They've really done a good job to, to have like a premium approach. Yeah. And then I think on Upwork, um, I think that, you know, the challenges that I've faced is that you don't really know who you're speaking to. You don't know what their past work is. It's hard to interview them. You don't know how to ask the right questions yeah. to people overseas. Because to your point, when we interview someone in the real world, we can feel their energy, feel their authenticity, you know, see how good of a communicator there are. Um, but that's not always what it's going to be like when you actually work with them. That can all change. Yeah, exactly. I mean, whether it's online or offline, you still have that chance, right? Yeah. Um, they could really perform well on the interview because they're just very charismatic. And um, yeah, and then they, they, they pass the test with their exam and they, you know, whatever they do. Yeah, it's only when you work with them that you know. And that's why our clients see the value in our service is that we'll rehire for you as part of the service, right? There's no extra fee to to rehire and then you know we've had cases where someone might have worked well for a year or more and you know and then things don't go work well because we're still dealing with human beings here so it's yeah. being having someone to count on going all right here's the situation can you help me out or we've had situations where um a va might be going to on maternity leave and you know the client just goes hey here's my my va is going to maternity leave what happens and then we pr propose everything we're like okay would you like someone to temporarily work for you or do you want to take a few months off or you know and then we just do all that so that you just feel free from um you having any hr troubles so would you say that your service is a turnkey solution yes that's cool yeah, Talk whatever about, turnkey means, it sounds like it's like, you know, you want a, a VA, you get everything. Yeah. Done, done. It means it means A to Z, soup to nuts. Yep. There's so many uh, so many ways to say that, I guess. But that's very cool. Yep. I totally get the model. Um, so you wrote this article on LinkedIn called What You Should Know About Working with Millennials. And yes. uh, I have the distinct privilege of working with a few millennials. Uh, I think I'm a quote-unquote Gen Xer. Um, we yeah. mentioned uh, you mentioned Coachella just to kind of give you a little bit of frame of reference yeah. on how much of a Gen Xer I actually am. You mentioned Coachella, and I'm Coachella one. That, that's What's that mean? Like Coachella number one. You love Coachella? No, 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 no. The first event of Coachella. Oh, you went that long ago. How long is that? Because <laughs> oh, well, the story is I didn't actually go. But I had tickets to go, <laughs> and, and it was like one of the sad stories, which I'll I'll share at a different time. But um, that's how much of a Gen Xer I am. Ah, but talk so, to me. So maybe people might think that I'm young, but I'm like 36 already. Okay. And I'm, okay. I'm still Coachelling. Okay. <laughs> so when people that's think cool. Coachella, they're like young, teeny bopper, 20 years old, right? No, and, no, uh, not not <laughs> what I think. Because I, I also, on a side note, I went to Lollapalooza. I, I, the funny story, I also had tickets to Lollapalooza one, but did not go because my father would not let me go. I was just ah, I haven't I was, heard of that one, but yeah. Yeah, Lollapalooza is the is the it, that's actually the precursor to Coachella that was founded by the lead singer of Jane's Addiction, Perry Farrell. He was one of the co-founders, and that's what really kicked off the big mega mega shows. Wow. So yeah. Lollapalooza, take a look. I think they're reviving that. It's kind of cool. Wow. Yeah, there's so much happening in America. That's why I want. I need to be there. <laughs> yeah, well, some say it's overrated. So, and some sometimes people are saying, you know what, we're going to Canada. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went there too. I visited the last uh, in September. What a yeah. big difference! As soon as I land there, it just actually it really felt like Australia. Different in that it is different to uh, America, considering it's so close. But it really reminded me of Australia. Oh Everything yeah. Everything about. Well, we're all in the global village now. Yeah. Right. 
but uh, so tell me about working with millennials. What, what does that mean to you? Why did you write this article? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, millennials, I don't know if I fall in that category or not, but I do act like one. I really think that... People, oh, you are. You Based on your age, I, you okay. are. Okay, I'm yeah, still yeah, millennial. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, but, you know, people are smarter now. They really want to feel happier. They're not just chasing money. They want a challenge. They want fun. They want, you know, following a company that, that cares for them or cares for the planet. Um, you know, so that's why I really think that uh, so especially now that I've hired local people and VAs, I see it such a powerful um, synergy together because my local staff are able to just focus on like high value strategic things that they feel like they can add value to the company without doing the repeated mundane tasks that will bore them. Because when a problem with boredom is then they'll just jump ship. They'll just go to a new company. They'll ask for more pay, but it's not really money that is going to make people stick. It's really about how, how to keep their role interesting, exciting, value adding, and it makes them feel like they're making an impact. And of course, if they are working on higher value things, they will turn more revenue for you. It means they will be able to, you will be able to pay them more, which is what ultimately they want, right? Like just more, more money, more growth. Um, and being able to dissect those easier tasks, mundane tasks that still needs to be done to offshore team, you know, from the Philippines who are happy to do that year in, year out because that's their expectation. And so I've been able to keep such a great, um, I guess, engaged team, you know, whether they're millennial, they're Australian, um, you know, and they're a different kind, um, but I'm able to satisfy their needs. It's like I get to work on high value things. I feel I feel um, worthy here. You know, you praise me. You're a great leader. So, yeah, that's the other side too. You know, they want to feel important. They want to feel like, um, you care about them. It's not really, you know, back in the days, I guess even our parents' ages, like they would just do anything for money, right? Like just just whatever pays high and I'll just work for that. But yeah, I think people nowadays are a lot smarter. They can start their own business if they don't feel like your business serves their need. So if you give them everything that they want in your business, they'll stay around. Yeah, I mean, I think retention is, it's one of the biggest themes right now in business because people have, ADD, is that appropriate to say? People are curious, people are looking, opportunities so come up. Opportunities. Yeah, so yeah. much, yeah. Yeah, and, and social uh, media shows, so e it looks as if it's easy to get to, to do all these things. So they're missing out on the backgrounds though. They're like, they don't realize that years of hard work to get to where So they're like wanting to jump to the easiest things. Right, exactly. I mean, one of my favorite quotes on this topic is, uh, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. You know, and that's uh, Theodore Roosevelt. And I think the reason why that's important is because it's it's about empathy and it's about mm -hmm. caring and it's about really genuinely and authentically connecting to an individual and wanting to yep. see them grow on a long term basis. I mean, yep. this businesses, companies, we're all based on people. It's not based on yep. anything but that without people. None of this stuff would happen. I mean, it goes without saying. So I think people yep. are the most important thing to, mm -hmm. to, to invest in, you know. So, I, I mean, yep. I, I applaud you for having that type of mantra. Thank you. I guess yeah. we're like-minded then in that area. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, it's, it's just so much more fun that way. You know, like I look back at the times when I started out, of course it was difficult, but I've never felt like I chased the money. I've always felt like I was always um, looking to have fun with, you know, whoever I'm working with and whatever I do, it's just choosing fun and happiness over money. You know, I've ha I let go of clients and let go of things that didn't serve me. And I'm glad I did that because then 
that's what's kept this long journey in a in a good way, right? Yeah, ten years of fun. Well, that's the, that's exactly the right word. So here's one for you. What is the genius quadrant? The genius quadrant. So this is where you need to work out um, what are the things that you do best, right? So like the things that you only you can do. So there there are four quadrants, right? So what can only you do that you love the best, right? Like you're a genius at and you love. And then there's another quadrant where it's you love it. I mean, you can do it well, but you don't love it. Mm. And then the, the third quadrant is where you can do it well. No, so you can you you can do it averagely. I think because the last one is like you can't do it well. Sorry, mm. I'm like... <laughs> incompetent, yeah. incompetent. Yeah, I, I'm actually looking at this chart that you have here. So yeah. genius, excellent, competent, incompetent. There you go. Yeah. So, I mean, this is not, this is a model that you can Google and find online as well. And um, yeah, so we wrote a blog post about it. Um, but yeah, it just really comes down to um, prioritizing what are the tasks and the things that you do in those categories? Because really, it's anything that is the genius part where you are great at and love to do is what you should really stick with. With everything else, your goal is to offload it to outsource it you know and so um i've been able to prove that you can outsource or when i say outsource i interchange it with the term more like delegating like what can you delegate to someone else and so you know i've proven time and time again that you can delegate anything you know when i was doing recruitment i thought oh my god how the hell am i going to get someone else to do recruitment i love it i'm good at it um and i think it takes years like you said oh you know it will take years to actually know how to recruit people. So that was my limiting mindset to going, oh my God, how the hell am I going to get someone else to do it? But, you know, when you know that you need more time and you rather do some more genius things that you love to do, you know, business development, you know, connecting with people, you just have to um, take away some of those tasks, which included recruitment. And so all I really did was took my VA who's been with me, you know, the longest, who I knew that had the capability to learn, not that she knew how to do it yet, she had the capability. And then just take her on my same, like my process of go, okay, sit and watch how I do it. This is what I do. Watch how I do it as if you're invisible, you know, you're a fly on the wall. And then the next time you do it, I watch you, I shadow you. And then eventually she ended up doing it herself directly. And I just couldn't believe it. And from then on, she did the same process to the next VA. So when her role got more, you know, I wanted her to, to work on higher level things. Then she needed to offload that, that previous task of recruiting. And then now we've got a great recruitment team, which I didn't train. It was her that trained the recruitment team. And um, the recruiter is just doing such an amazing job. And so I realized that, you know, even if you think you're the best at something, you know, think twice. You can always find someone to delegate. The only thing that I do now, to be honest, I've been able to minimize my time so efficiently now that each day, it really consists of something like this podcast or creating content, right? I, I can't really get someone else to be Lynn for now. Um, and then learning, right? I can't really get someone else to read a book and tell me what it is. I, I, I really need to be that person doing learning. Um, and um, yeah, just working on my health. Like anything that I feel like it's only I can do, I will do. But everything else, I've been able to offload it to everyone else. Well, I mean, the key to the to growth is delegation. There's a lot of really interesting management and leadership books. If you look at all the great, um, the great kind of uh, minds, the geniuses of leadership, you know, they all talk about this. This idea, 
you know, I'm, I'm just kind of thinking about some stuff that I've read from, read from um, Jack Welch, actually. And uh, it's, if you can't delegate, then there's a problem. There's some reason, there's something that you are dealing when it comes to control. You're not able to release yes. your control. Mm-hmm. And it might actually be fear-based. You might have a fear that it's going to fail, a fear that it's not going to be good, a fear that you're going to get exposed. But it's unfortunate that a lot of people don't realize that. And I, I actually, for probably five years of my life, I struggled with that. And mm-hmm. I found myself, you know, my background is in marketing, automation, and technology. That's kind of what I do. And so I got so enamored with building workflows and building landing pages and, you know, producing uh, stuff and creating technology on the back end that, you know, I remember my, my little bio in Twitter used to be, uh, making things that people click. <laughs> and I, was, <laughs> I, I thought that, that was really clever. You know, and, and then I realized, you know, to your point that, you know, what I'm better at is connecting with people and yeah. sharing stories and, you know, building up the brand and supporting people and, yes. you know, coming up with visions and technology to enable people to use video, to communicate, to grow their businesses. And I think when I had that realization moment, it was totally liberating for me. And in the process, what happened was, I think there was an initial, you know, financial, maybe of some vulnerability that I had to realize. But once I kind of got through the kinks, created my system, then I was flying. My wings, I felt yeah. like were really spread. So I think that was yeah. the whole process for me personally. Yeah. It's like anything. You build that muscle, build that muscle of delegating, and then you just get really good at it. And you just, yeah, you just get better at it over time. And, you know, when you, at, at the beginning, when you've never done it, of course, it's, it's difficult. But I think it's with anything, just keep at it and, um, review yourself because sometimes as a business owner they want to grow but yet they don't take time to audit what they're working on and I take that as a um, it's almost like spring cleaning all the time right every month I would look at my tasks again and go what else am I doing that I I I don't have to do you know and and then challenge it with your team go hey do you think you can take this on watch them do it and then you'll be surprised there's so many things that I thought I had to do it myself and then I just sort of you know what, just give it a go again. Because even for someone who's been delegating for a long time, loves outsourcing, I still have my moments. Because obviously, you know, I still get to a task where I'm like, I don't think anyone could do that. But then again, I challenge my mindset and surprise myself. Um, I think it comes down to trust. I think it comes down to vulnerability. I think it comes down to self-confidence and making good choices in the the people that we, we all surround ourselves with. Yeah. And I think it comes down to what is your goal? Like if you want to grow your business, you need more time in the right areas, right? I found that my more of my time needs to be in business development, you know, doing networking or being on podcasts and reading, learning, right? So if I need those hours, then I'm going to need to get those hours from somewhere. And so those hours that I was doing other tasks has to go. There is no other choice. If So it's really going, do you want growth and success or do you want to stay where you are do you want to stay where you are? keep doing what you're doing and it's like the saying goes you know expect a different result when you do the same thing and expect a different result so uh, yeah yeah well that's the definition of insanity yeah. actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly right. so um speaking of insanity talk to me about explainer videos which is the most sane thing that i can think of because we've built effectively an entire business out of it you know, for those of you guys, you guys that don't know, Dub is a video communication platform. It allows you to quickly create, share, and track videos. You can upload videos that production companies like Monkey Video Production, that's Lynn's production company, 
create for you. So I wanted to kind of get your take on how to make uh, an explainer video, what goes into an explainer video, yep. and how can I create a repeatable model with explainer videos? Sure. So um, yeah, explainer videos is, you know, I love it in that you can create one much easier than trying to get actors and trying to get yourself on videos. Um, however, I do find that it is more suitable for more evergreen videos, right? Like um, it's not something you create to um, publish every single day or week on LinkedIn, you know, as a uh, content. It's more of a, you know, for the website or for your onboarding video or for um, so the things that you can reuse again and again, because there is a lot more to invest into the video because you would need to have a really engaging script. Right. And it's all about short, precise, but enough to go get people to take action. Um, you know, anything between 60 to 90 second is a really good um, point. Um, and then it's a voiceover, you know, hiring a proper voiceover artist is most important. It's, you know, they're like radio voice artists. They just sound like, yeah, you want to buy from them. You hear it on the radio, you hear it on TV. So having that kind of great voice, as, but it starts with a great script first. And then with the animation, it's really about, um, yeah, designing an animation that captures your branding, captures the feel that you want and um, animate it together. And with animation, what's good is that, you know, you even though we're adults, we're still kid inside and we get animations much easier. We can um, explain something complicated in a much easier term. And so the other thing that we've been using and experimenting with is also doing, um, you know, live video with some explanation, uh, with some animation. So I have some videos on my website where, you know, I'm explaining about my service and it does go on for two, three minutes and I don't want it to be too long and it's boring just looking at my face all the time. And so we do add animation throughout the video so that when we were saying, you know, we do recruitment, we do this, we do that, you can see as a diagram what that really looks like in an animated, more engaging way. So it just makes a better um, evergreen video. And so I really do think that if you're gonna, you want a video that you're gonna reuse again, do invest in quality professional video, um, yeah, rather than yeah doing it the crap amateur way. Right, I've definitely done that in my life. I've gone to Fiverr and I've yeah. created the, and I think what happened was I spent so much personal time because I I knew I wasn't working with professionals. That I yeah. just realized, I realized that I should have just outsourced it to a professional from the start. But, you know, you live and you learn. Yeah. And so because I'm able to use my resource from overseas, um, I'm able to, you know, charge around 3000 for explain a video, Australian dollars, that is. So that's like, I don't know what it is, 2000 something. So, that, yeah, that's on the lower end of a animation video. However, it's high quality. So we've worked with clients like Qantas, the airline, Australian airline, um, you know, some big companies like toll or government places, government agencies, etc. So, um, yeah, it's well, that's what I love about outsourcing. Well, outsourcing in a sense, we have a team from overseas, not that we're outsourcing each work or anything. Um, but yeah, we're able to then pass on the savings to to our clients. Well, I would love to get, if you have any, I'd love to get some footage of some of your explainer videos and I'd love to actually yeah. include it into this into this yep. uh, piece here. Yep, I'll definitely be sending you that link to, yeah, all of my samples. Okay, that sounds cool. And then yeah. is it okay if I use those in any of our stuff? Yeah, definitely. Okay, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Well, this was a really great combo. I and mean, there's a lot of learnings that I personally took away from this. I mean, 
you know, the importance of delegation, the importance of, you know, empathy, caring for, you know, the culture that we're building, you know, the value of, of outsourcing, creating systems, you know, the importance of, you know, video communication, the importance of getting our thoughts into concise, bite-sized video content um, that overall just do a better job to kind of explain what we're doing, how we're growing, um, and ultimately, you know, to get ourselves happiness and, uh, yeah. you know, great takeaways here. Thank you so much. You, yeah, that was a really great summary. <laughs> yeah. A really great recollection of the things that we've chatted about. So thank you so much for this opportunity. Yeah, and it's always fun to chat with like-minded people. Well, thank you so much, Lynn. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Thanks, Lynn. Bye.